This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 65 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today's episode is a little different. It's a solo show because I wanted to round off the end of 2020 uh, with a few reflections, I suppose, and... um, Yeah, yeah, a few reflections and a few lessons. And hey, fuck it, it's my podcast, so I'm going to give you my reflections whether you want them or not. So, um, no uh, intro, my cat's meowing in the background, enjoy. Uh, No intro as normal, none of... uh, the usual things that I will do. I'm just going to dive straight in to uh, my thoughts and then normal service will resume next week. So here goes nothing. It's the end of 2020. Something that I always feel at the end of a year is a momentous occasion. And I, I started thinking about this podcast and wanting to say something profound, something deep and meaningful, when in reality, all I can muster is a big fat, like, what the fuckity fuck was this year. I am a writer, you guys are writers, and I bet in a thousand fucking turns of the sun, none of us could have written the absolute clusterfuck that was this year. But I guess, I don't know, as much as I've like a twisted sense of humour and a dark heart, I am also an eternal optimist. And I would like to end the year with a bit of fucking cheer and some tangible actions to work towards next year. So here are the lessons that I have learned from 2020. Number one, reaction is everything. My dear friend Katie has a tattoo, uh, which she, I think she got it from the Jack Canfield, uh, The Success Principles book, which I have also read and loved. And her tattoo says E plus R equals O, which stands for event plus reaction equals outcome. Now, I have always thought that was deeply profound and I don't want to get all woo-woo and shit with you but um, I do really believe that our mindset, our minds and our brains are super powerful and can control our situations, our outcomes and our realities and for me personally that is a lesson that has never been truer than in 2020. It might not be what you want to hear but it is the hard uncut truth. This year has been something of a sink or swim kind of year. Whether it's crushed you or you have succeeded in spite of it I think it is true. But what I... What I want to tell you with absolute certainty is that whatever your reaction to this year has been, it it will have created your outcomes. And I think we have to be kind to ourselves wherever we have got to now. And that whether we are successful or whether we haven't been successful in our goals this year, it's okay. Next year will be better or we can choose to make next year better. 
when the pandemic hit, I personally panicked. I was thrown into um, a terrible mindset. I lost a lot of hair. Um, I had like a bald patch where I'd gotten so stressed. Um, I gained a ton of weight because I was just emotionally eating. And all because I thought my business was screwed. I thought um, I'd end up having to get a job because I'd be fucked. Um, you know, the school shut and when those schools shut, my instant reaction was like, how in the bollocking shit six was I going to get anything done with a six-year-old hanging around my feet begging for rice cakes and peppermanis every four seconds? You know, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't going to be able to work. And yet, I've got to the end of this year and I have written more books this year than any other year ever. That is a fact I'm still not entirely clear on how it's happened. Granted, a couple of them were shorter than normal, but you know what? A book is a book is a book. I still had to write it. I still had a story arc. I still had to edit, polish and get the fucking things published. <sighs> So what I do know, I guess, is that this fact that I have published more books than ever had everything to do with my reaction. I really spiralled hard and then I picked myself up. And I think it's because I am the kind of like, fuck you, if you try and squash me, I will prove to you that I will succeed anyway kind of girl. Not everyone is that wired that way. And that is okay, because the world needs every kind of person. If I look at my reaction, uh, which was to dive into work, or yeah, I guess to dive into work, then you know, I, I don't like to have regrets, but I probably could have been more supportive to friends and family and my wife, um, like emotionally during the pandemic. But I am not that kind of person. I'm not the, the sort of person that can do empathy and, you know, in a deep way. And I, I can't be that shoulder because my reaction to adversity is to buckle into work and try and achieve something and that's that's how I'm wired that's how I cope that is my coping mechanism and you know we the world needs each type of person because if it weren't for my friends who do do the empathy much better than I do then I may not have survived so what I'm trying to say is that whoever you are, whatever your reaction, it's it's okay. You know, work for me and creativity in particular are my solace. And, and I am just lucky that that happens to be my job. And so because it's my job, my business didn't sink. You know, so when I look at this year, I am still shocked that I managed to do as much as I have done. My, my son literally spent eight months off school and I did um, the very vast majority of the home, homeschooling and childcare because I had that flexibility in my job. I think if I had still been in a corporate day job, we would have been fucked on a much grander scale. So what am I trying to say? I guess... I am trying to say that uh, we all have different reactions to events and adversity and that's okay. The greatest factor in influencing our outcomes and our realities is within our control though because I believe that it's ourself. So what I had to do and, and what you guys have to do if 
this year hasn't ended up the way you wanted is to work out how to make the most of your strengths. This is this is what I tried to do. I tried to look at what my strengths were and just forget the shit I'm not good at and try to work with my strengths because that made me happier because I was able to do more and do more of the things that I that make me happiest. And you know, if you can do that and work through the ups and downs using your strengths then you will produce the outcomes that you want. And so I feel like this is one of those years, one of those times in our history where know thyself means everything. And I have learnt that, well, I guess I've learnt that more this year than any other year. I, my, like my reaction to the pandemic was to look at myself, look very hard at myself and try to learn about how I work best, how can I work under constrained situations because working was what made me happy and I, you know, that I'm not detracting from anybody who's not been able to write or work this year because if that's what's enabled, like the not creating has been what's enabled you to survive, then you have to not create because we all have to do what we need to do to survive this year. I'm just, I'm just sharing I get, I'm just sharing my reactions from my personal like perspective. Um, so yeah, like I've tried really hard to work on myself to learn about my working preferences and practices. And as a result, I have changed my processes really quite significantly. I found workarounds. I have reaffirmed things that I think I probably knew. Like, for example, I work best in bursts, very short, sharp, intense bursts. Um, And that includes both sprinting and working on projects start to finish. And knowing those things has helped me to be more effective. But none of it would have come to fruition if it weren't for the situations and the climates, um, which is such a weird thing but I do want to be grateful for everything that I have despite the clusterfuck of this year. I found a quote which I think uh, best sums this up and I think it was said by Vivian Green and I'm sure if it wasn't somebody will correct me Uh, but it goes life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass it's about learning to dance in the rain and that just feels so meaningful to me it I feel like that encapsulates this year okay so lesson one then our reactions create our outcomes therefore learning about our strengths and how to capitalize on them is crucial especially in times of adversity hey on to lesson two which was the meaning of work this year the meaning of work has changed for me dramatically As authors, we have a somewhat tenuous link with work because we we literally tell lies and make shit up for a living. It is scarcely what I would call hard work. And yet some days it is utterly gruelling and exhausting. And fuck, if I am not totally brain dead by the end of a day of drafting or editing, then I did something wrong, you know? And yet... I have found myself this year still unable to classify what I do as work. It is not 
like work that my wife does. And for anybody who does this full time and used to work in, <laughs> my favourite phrase, something of a corporate hell mare, you'll understand um, how dramatically different, uh, you know, being in a corporate world to being in the creative world is. I mean, they are entirely different universes of work. I look at what my wife does, <laughs> I thank the fucking universe, karma, whatever is out there on a daily basis that I don't have to go into a corporate job. But likewise, she looks at what I do, uh, the constant financial pressure, like having to meet financial requirements every month, the constant need to create something from nothing. And she thanks her lucky stars for her job. So I guess it is all relative. But it is becoming clearer and clearer to me that our jobs as authors are so different and it's everything and nothing in a way like if it weren't for the flexibility that I have had this year because of the business model that I have built we would have been so screwed and as a result I think my mindset has shifted dramatically in terms of what work is. The more I do this job, the more I fall in love with it. And like, I am so utterly in love with what I do that it is no longer passable as a job in my head. I don't feel like I work anymore, which is weird because I work fucking hard um, on my business. Um, I suppose, I, I, let me be clearer, I, I think it's, the creative work doesn't feel like work. Of course, the admin, the emails, the marketing, the advertising, that shit feels like work, but not in the way that my corporate job felt like work. Um, and so this is weird for me because, I, you know, all I have ever known is work. I pride myself on working super hard and... So it's weird for me to not feel like I have a job. I don't know. Um, but it, this has been a profound realisation for me. And I think it has been mar marked more by the fact that I have had the flexibility and the ability to drop things because my son has been isolated again or whatever from school. Um, and the other thing that I've noticed is that, yes, okay, so work, obviously, I have to work to bring in cash to pay my mortgage. It doesn't always feel like work. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's play. And in an odd way, sometimes working feels like relaxing. I don't know whether, I suspect that is part of my personality. Like I, I've talked this year about Becca Syme and the strengths, and one of mine is Achiever. And she said something that really shook my world, which is that for achievers, when like achieving and being able to tick things off a to-do list or getting some, some work done is like, it creates energy pennies for us and it enables us to relax. And that really blew my mind because it explains so much. I don't always want to not work. Most of the time I want to work like, or I want to do something of a morning and then I can stop after an hour or whatever and then relax. And I think it's because it's, it's wired into my brain. It is part of me. 
And so when I'm meant to be off and resting, there are times when all I want to do is pick up the proverbial pen and play. And yes, it's my job, but it's also my favourite game. And I happen to like playtime, guys. But that said, that mindset and that way of being is very tricky to explain to loved ones who are desperate for vacation time. And then when they get vacation time, they can't think of anything worse than working. And I am the polar opposite of that. So what does it mean going forward? It means that I realise that sometimes when I am meant to have a vacation, I still have to do something, I still have to achieve something or I end up feeling worse and more stressed. So my lesson here is that um, sometimes my work is my play and while rest is essential, so is play. And so going into 2021, I give myself permission to play when I'm on a break. And if you guys need permission, for that as well, then you have it. And I hope that (laughs) my waffle may give you a method of explaining this madness to your loved ones too. Alrighty, next lesson then. Creativity is a dish best served in silence. There is one thing that no matter how hard I try, I am yet to find a solution to. For me personally, I work best in silence sans interruptions. When I was in the day job, I would spend most of my time with headphones in my earlugs, uh, ignoring other people because otherwise I couldn't get anything done. The first year of full-time authoring was spent in silence. I didn't use Zoom for sprints. I didn't have people in the house. My my wife worked under a like presenteeism culture. And so my world was quiet, very, very fucking quiet indeed. And I did not realize how much a year of quiet changed me. I need silence. My creativity, like, it it needs silence like i need oxygen like worse than that it it also needs uninterrupted silence so not just like 10 minutes of silence it needs a whole fucking day of it and this year i have had neither silence nor un, uh, uninterrupted time and i am yet to find a solution for that because shutting my door doesn't work my 6 or now 7 year old doesn't give a tiny fucking violin size shit about closed doors the world is his dominion and doors are mere wooden enemies to be slain in a fit of handle abusing banging door opening shenanigans and i am sure i am sure that everybody can sympathize with me when i say that if you have kids my wife also like procured my noise cancelling headphones from me uh, and I got it like it was absolutely fine she had uh, the man to work for and like equally she couldn't concentrate under the conditions so I just donated my headphones to her I have managed to procure them back I would like to say uh, but for a good good while she had them there and so I dealt with the kid-like interruptions and the lack of silence <sighs> there were days when I had to go and sit in my car for like 30 minutes just to breathe and breathe in the quiet because I was so rattled. I felt like my body was vibrating with noise. Um, And this has been a 
shocking realisation for me because I have spent much of my life being told I was extroverted, that, um, you know, I was loud or whatever. And I think either I have changed or they were woefully mistaken um, because I really can't work in those conditions well that that okay that's not true what this year has showed me is that while I can work under interrupted and noisy conditions I am far from um productive in them in fact uh like on the occasions my wife took our son so that I could work um or on the days that he actually went to school this year I would produce and I am not kidding you I shit you not like 10 times the amount that I would do on any other day when he was at home, when she was at home. And more to the the point, I would like, yeah, like I, no, I think, yeah, like I would produce more on those fleeting occasions than I ever could on a normal day. And so like Parkinson's law has never been more acute to me. I edited an entire book in four days, something that would usually take me like two to three months. So if that isn't a wake up call, then I don't know what is. So my lesson three is that while I can work under intense and noisy conditions, I know um, I work more effectively. <laughs> oh, the irony, my son is trying to open the door. <laughs> now dealt with that, but I don't think that interruption could have been better timed. <laughs> like the absolute perfect timing I swear to god I did not plan that but um it just goes to show that I can't even record a fucking podcast without an interruption oh this year it's so much fun I just love 2020 (laughs) I don't even know where I was I'm gonna start again right lesson three then is that while I can work under intense and noisy conditions I know I work more effectively and efficiently under a certain set of conditions which means two things for me and for next year I will try even harder to create those conditions and when I don't have them I'm going to recognize and acknowledge that it is okay if I either don't work or don't get as much done um, because better days are coming. Now, I want to be absolutely crystal clear that I am not saying I'm going to use that as an excuse to wait for the perfect conditions because that's also a load of bollocks and I don't really believe the perfect conditions uh, exist. But equally, (laughs) there's been some real crisis-like situations uh, and conditions this year and it is okay not to work when, you know, you, you you have to look after everybody else. That said, I am also going to be looking at the amount of pressure I put on myself. Now, some of you are going to be like gasping when I say this, but um, I actually think I've gone too light on myself this year. Um, Becca Syme said something really fundamental to me in coaching, which rocked my world. And that is that people with number one competition or people with competition in their top strengths um like to and thrive best under conditions where everything is hard and she blew my tiny fucking brain into pieces when she said that because it was such an eye bugging widening realization i love 
it when everything is hard. <laughs> I know that sounds mental, but like I don't like living in my comfort zone and I have definitely spent some of this year living in my comfort zone and I expect more of myself. Um, and I think, you know, this past week has shown that. Like if I can edit a book in a week, how much more can I get done? Um, and there's other things like allowing myself to procrastinate over recording audiobooks. Like what are you what are you doing, Sasha? No more. No more next year. No more putting things off. No more sitting in my comfort zone. No more taking anything easy because that is not how I work most effectively. I work most effectively in hard conditions. And so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> All right. Next lesson then. Lesson number four is business basics matter. I am utterly convinced that if it weren't for working on the business basics this year, then my business would have crumbled. As it is, I think, um, I haven't done like the full analysis yet, but I roughly think it. I've seen more than a 20% increase in turnover. And that is despite the chronic foxicle that was 2020. Now, I genuinely attribute that to going back to business basics and my business values and ensuring that I am on top of them and dropping the shit that doesn't matter. Now, there's one other thing that I would attribute to that, um, which I haven't written in the show notes, uh, but I'm going to add now. And that is investing despite the dire financial outlook of the year. I um, invested in a VA and it has freed up so much time that, um, you know, I have been able to work on the things that are important and the things that generate cash. That was in itself a bit of a lesson, a lesson about letting go, a lesson about asking for help, needing help when I need help, but I think I'll go into that a different day. Um, so what, I think the two things that are most important to me are independence and financial stability. Now, in terms of the independence, I am alarmingly aware of how still I feel too dependent on Amazon. Um, so next year I will be ensuring that I focus on other income streams and avenues as well as trying to grow my sales on the other platforms. I've done a bit of that this year, uh, for sure, uh, in particular growing the income streams, but, um, I want to do more. So I'm going to be looking at that next year. So one of the, the things that I did do was set up a web shop on my website and, um, created some more income streams and I've been learning in the background a bit more about wide marketing and all of that good stuff. So the second thing then is financial stability. And for me, I am a long way off where I want to be, but I am certainly making progress towards it. Uh, when the pandemic hit, some of my freelance work did dry up and that was a bit of a wake up call for me. Uh, it showed me how important it is to focus on creating assets and creating passive income. And as many different income streams as possible. So my income streams over the year have been books, uh, freelance editing, although I have now stopped this, uh, Patreon, affiliates, income, speaking, uh, courses, merchandise. Uh, and so some of those are new, like course income. And But I want to make more of it and I want to 
increase my income stream. So in the next five years, I would like to add investments, rental income from additional properties and income from rights licensing. And I don't think I will ever stop adding income streams. I want to ensure that I never, I am never more reliant on one income stream than anything else. And so this is really a focus for me next year. Oh, and also to add audiobooks as well. I want to, obviously I'll be bringing in income from audiobooks, although I suppose you could also class that under books. Other things I did this year uh, were to also look at where I could save money. So for example, I was overpaying on my mailing list. I was super reluctant to move because I knew the systems, I liked the software. Um, and in order to move, I had to overhaul everything, my autoresponders, and I didn't wanna. Um, but I did in the end, I did the hard work and I moved and I saved myself over 400 quid a year just on that one uh, piece of my business. Um, so yeah, I guess like I know there is a reluctance to look at our income, uh, like our finances and where we can save money, but it counts, it helps, it matters, do the hard work. Uh, I also upgraded my website this year and while that took a whole fucking week of time to sort, it has made for a much cleaner, more efficient, more effective site that is more user-friendly for customers. So lesson four for me is about working out your values and the, the values that you want your business to hold. Like what means what what means something to you? Um, because it matters. And in times of crisis, I think knowing those things helps keeps you centered and helps give you a singular focus. Because I do know lots of people who have jumped ship on perhaps genres they've been working on for years or jumped ship or and changed um, business focus or changed um you know, quit their businesses entirely and gone and done other things or, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's right. Absolutely. Sometimes that's right. Sometimes that is right. And sometimes that is a knee jerk reaction. And so knowing your business values and knowing what they are will help keep you sure on your decisions. And for me in particular, it's helped give me that singular focus. And I think that without that focus, I would have wobbled significantly this year. So the one value that I feel I missed, or the one area of my business that I feel I missed out on this year was content marketing. I've definitely let that slip. And next year, I want to come at it hard because I much prefer the long game and the doing the content marketing than I do spending hours and hours analyzing advertising data. So yeah, that was lesson number four. Lesson number five then, oh, I am not looking forward to this one. Lesson number five is you've got to do the self-care. This one is enormous for me. I have got to be better at self-care. My gift and my curse is my desire to constantly achieve. On the one hand, it means I get fuckloads done, but on the other, very significant hand, it also means that I regularly, willingly, and with a deeply twisted smile on my lips, work myself into the ground. 
this year I have had a number of health issues and they are purely down to the fact that I don't look after myself because I'm too fucking busy looking after others and trying to run a, well, not only run, but grow a business. I suppose, like, it's not that I thought I was invincible. Okay, maybe a little bit. (laughs) No, I didn't. Uh, Anyway, it's more that I am still relatively young and I just took for granted that I could continue and that I could just push my mind and my body and that would be okay. Like, I'm young, it works, my body works, I just expect it to continue working and apparently that's not true. I'm not as young as I was. And I strongly suspect that people listening can't either. So here's that phrase again, like, if you need permission to look after yourself, you have it. So lesson five is our bodies are only human. We are not invincible, Sasha. And we break when we push ourselves too far. I, for one, am going to try very hard to look after myself better than I did in 2020. I'm going to try harder in 2021. All right, this is this is a big one uh, for me. Lesson six is that friends are everything. I spent the first year of working for myself totally alone. And sure, I had and still have writing friends, but this year has shown me just how important friends are. They really, really keep me sane. I am very lucky to have a group of close writing friends who have seen me through this year. They've seen me through the tantrums, the emotional breakdowns, the anger, the hysteria. I've lost count of the number of Zooms and FaceTimes I've done. Um, The days I've spent sprinting and gritting my teeth through both the good and the bad. And I, I do feel deeply indebted to them. On the days when I wanted to give up, they were there cheerleading. And on the days when I'd lost my mojo and my motivation, they were there to give me a, a good kick in whilst they picked me up and tell me to get a fucking grip. I don't I don't want to mention anybody's names in fear of forgetting someone. But if you are one of the people that I speak to regularly, then thank you. While this year has shown me how important technology is in keeping those connections alive, it has also shown me that I don't want to be a recluse either. Much as I do love typing away in my quiet corner of the UK, I need people. I crave human contact, I crave inspiration and input, I crave travel, I crave being in the world, not just in my house. I I crave visiting museums, I crave adventures and experiences. I you know, I love friends and making memories and I miss people. I miss hugging and I don't hug, okay? I am not what you would class as a hugger. And I want to hug some people. I miss seeing things and just like breathing in the air in somewhere that is not your four by four house, you know? I miss culture, breathing in culture and just being in the world in places that aren't your four wall cabin fever location. And no matter what happens next year, I have to find a way to get that in my life again. 
So I, I'm gonna just take a quick second to thank my patrons. Um, I adore you all. I love the chats that we have in Slack. And for those that aren't in Slack, I really appreciate all the comments on the posts and your support. I am so, so grateful that you have either joined me or continued to support me uh, through this year, despite uh, the, you know, I know how difficult this year has been for so many. And so just, I wanted to take a minute to say thank you for sticking with me. And I'm also going to say thank you to my Facebook group. You guys make my job so much fun. I adore the fact that you're all so engaged and it's such a supportive community. And with that, I want to say a huge thank you to the group's admins who are whip cracking group sorting machines. I am deeply grateful to you both. Now, one person in particular has become a huge part of my life over the past year. We joke that we have no idea how it happened and like, for real, I do not know how it happened, but I am so glad it has. Writers need other writers. We need people who understand the odd ways our brains are wired and like the situations that we are in. And this person is at a very similar point in their career to me. And I think that has meant like everything. It has helped everything so much. We need like friends that live and breathe creation in the same way that we do because this job, this life, it is so indescribable and like unintelligible to people who don't live it. We might convince ourselves that we are happy introverts, that we don't need anyone, we don't need anything but our keyboards, and we might convince ourselves that we can so soldier on alone, like, you know, the lone wolves that we are. Um, but life is so, so much better, easier and happier when you let people into your life. So thank you for becoming something of a a mascot, a comfort blanket, a sounding board, cheerleader, confidant, mentor, business partner and best friend for life. Thank you uh, for coming into my life at the exact moment uh, when, you know, this year could have been shitty and you've given me a few more laughs. So thanks, buddy. So this year, this lesson, sorry, is that friends and writing friends in particular are everything. If you don't have them, go intentionally find some. And then when you do find them, grip onto them like your life depends on it, because trust me, it really, really does. The final lesson then is that this too shall pass. And this is where I want to leave you in the knowledge that, yes, this year has been a clusterfuckery of bullshit and nonsense. But when I say this, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I believe it with every single cell in my body. This too shall pass. I want to leave you with that and what I hope is a message of empowerment. If this year hasn't turned out the way you wanted, then I encourage you to look at you. And I mean that in the best possible way, not as, you know, an accusation or anything. Um, I spent a long time this year trying to figure out what works for me. And I've disregarded stacks of advice and best practice and shit that people tell you is right. And instead of listening to that, I have played to my personal strengths and worked out what habits, environments and processes work for me to help me cultivate the best working outcomes. 
So if you do one year, one thing next year, let it be that. Stop listening to what you're meant to do and the must-dos and the should-dos and all of that crap and just call bullshit on it. Look at what has produced results for you in the past and then like rinse and repeat. I am going to just give you that quote from Vivian Green uh, one more time. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. So find your dance, figure out whether you prefer salsa or street dance or ballroom or something else, and then just fucking run with it. Here is to the end of 2020 and may 2021 be a fuckload better for you. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.